Hello and welcome to Feckin' Football, episode 6. This is your host, Toomey. Happy New Year. It's the 11th of January when I'm recording this. And now it's time to talk about some football. Kazuyashi Miru. This gentleman is the oldest player to ever play in a top league. Kazuyashi Miru, 53. He's just signed his contract with Yokohama FC who play in the J1 League in Japan. So he's been playing football at the top flight in Japan since the 1980s. He's a striker. He joined his current club Yokohama FC aged 38 and he's the oldest player to score a goal in modern football aged 50. Why am I talking about him? Well I just thought that was interesting and it also makes me reflect on diets and nutrition and how the Japanese are always ahead on that type of thing. They're one of the oldest populations in the world, if not the oldest. And why is that relevant to me? Why is it relevant to you? Well, I am 30 years old and I thought that my days of playing football were finished. But when I look at it, I think my nutrition, my diet, my exercise, everything at the age that I am now in my mid-30s is better than it was in my early 20s. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, still going strong. I think he's in his late 30s, 39, is he? 40 or 41? He's, he's aged 39 to 41, I believe. One of those ages. He's still going strong. I think if we really want to, we can play low-level, casual Sunday league football into our 40s. The King of Ping could play right back for Wayside Celtic until he's 57 if he wants to. The point is that our conception of when we should retire and when we should stop playing football, maybe that's a bit outdated because a 30-year-old now is not the same as a 30-year-old 10 years ago. And a 40-year-old now is maybe equal to a 30-year-old in the late 1990s in terms of fitness, in terms of lifestyle, in terms of nutrition. So if you're thinking of going back for one last crack at it, if you can stay injury-free, you can do it. You can play a role. You can play that holding midfielder role. You could play left back on the bench, <laughs> etc. And I think the only thing that would hold me back from giving it one last crack is the banter in the dressing room. Some people love it. You go in and you say hello and there's some sort of joke about somebody. There's a hierarchy. The best players on the team happen to be also the most popular people on the team when they make jokes and there's about four or five of them in the gang and people hang on their every word and they're, a hier- they're the top of the hierarchy and if you're not in that and you're you're low on confidence and you can't express yourself on the pitch or off the pitch, then sometimes it's not as comfortable uh, environment as it is for the good players. So the FA Cup was on this weekend. Um, interesting, as always, the FA Cup, it's always a bit meh, isn't it? It's always a bit like, do I really care about the FA Cup? Should I care? It's always that guilt. I should care about the FA Cup. The FA Cup, to the non-familiar with football listener, I don't know why you're listening to this, but the FA Cup being the domestic cup competition, it's a knockout competition in England where they let in all of the teams across all of the divisions. No matter how low you are, they, you have a chance to get into the FA Cup. Um, so there was some interesting matches. The most interesting was Marine versus... Marine versus... Jose Mourinho's Spurs. And it was a standard 4-0 victory for Spurs, but it was just really interesting to see all the houses 
and all the background of marine i don't know what marine is or where it is but there was just a really nice landscape of the green field and all of the buildings behind it you never really see that in football the rest of the fa cup yeah there were some shocks crowley town beating leeds united 3-0 but again i just feel like it's that guilt factor i should care about this but i don't i don't care about this because leeds united played barely none they barely one or two of, of their first team players so they brought in lots of reserves lots of youth team players who had never played with each other in the Leeds first team and they kind of put them all together in a higgledy piggledy hodgepodge and suddenly Crowley Town who are a really really low division team from division X from the planet Zord they were able to beat Leeds United and is that such a shock? Because Crowley Town play together week in, week out. Um, they've got cohesion. And there's always a chance a cohesive unit of less skilled players will get the look or work harder or have more of a game plan than higgledy-piggledy hodgepodge thrown together. So those types of shocks don't really excite me or get the juices flowing. In the old days, squads were... Uh, smaller. I could be talking out of my arse here, but it seemed to to mean something more when the big teams were knocked out of the FA Cup because you wouldn't have your second team playing in the FA Cup. You'd have your first team playing. So just a couple of other points this week. Jack Byrne has gone to Cyprus. Of course, he went over to play with APOL and the Scotia or whatever they're called. He followed Mick McAfee. Mick McAfee got a job. And he was eight games into his job over in Cyprus. They came calling for Jack Byrne, who he had called up to one or two Irish squads before and who he had watched a few times in the League of Ireland. We saw Jack Byrne was the best player in the League of Ireland for a couple of years in a row. And he decided that Jack Byrne would be a good fit out in Nicosia and Cyprus. So he brought him out and he brought him on as a substitute in his first game. They lost that game. And then the next day, Mick McCarthy was sacked, fired. Um, and that's pretty bad for, for Jack Byrne now, who's just left Ireland. He's, a, by all accounts, a family man. He's, he's had time abroad playing football, just kind of settled back, very happy in Ireland, on less money than, than he would get them if he played abroad. So he takes the plunge, goes over to Cyprus, but then the guy who brought him over is gone next day. I just think this is a weird, weird situation. Some people thinking he's fucked. Other people saying that, well, he's so talented that he will break into that uh, Cypriot team and he will start for them. And then that will open up more doors. And I think that will be the case. I think he's a, a great player. I think he's a lot of potential. But this will be an interesting challenge for him. It's just a weird challenge for him because he never would have went to Cyprus in the first place. Cyprus, Jack. One thing I would say about that, I was on holidays there. If you can drive, it's a great place to be able to drive around. It's You can drive from one end of the country. It's a small enough island. You can drive from one end to the other in about three or four hours. And there's lots of coastal little towns and villages around and lots of nice different beaches. So even if he's not enjoying the football, it's a great place to be, Cyprus. I don't know what they're like for coronavirus at the moment, but because it's an island kind of on the far end of Europe, maybe they're not. Uh, suffering too badly but that's just pure speculation on my on my part finally this evening unfected football episode six 
Man United are having a title challenge. They're back. And as a casual Man United fan, I've who has been following the Premier League closely since Man United dropped out of title contention. The last 10-ish years when United haven't been challenging for the title have just been empty and boring. With the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City up there, Tottenham and Leicester even up there. And football is not the same unless your team is doing really well. It's just much more exciting. Everything takes on a new relevance. And the fixtures matter, the transfers matter, the team selections matter. That's what football is kind of about really, isn't it? The suspense. And I wonder how do you become a mid-table supporter? I think you, you have to condition yourself to being satisfied with less. I just don't know how those teams do it. Like the likes of Southampton, where I lived for three years, like knowing that you're never really going to win the league. Although they're probably excited at the moment. But when I lived in in Southampton for three years, I just remember a lot of the people in the city just trudging down to St. Mary's to watch Southampton play. Trudging down. There was no sense of amazing excitement in the air. There was no... It was a night, there was nice novelty fixtures. I, I went to a match, Southampton versus Man City. That was a real novelty. And it was this, Southampton won, I think it was 2-0 they won. And it was, Mane was playing at that time. And Shane Long was doing well. And it was a nice occasion. And the fans got into it. But those, those games were the, were the rare treat where there was something more important going on. It was a, a, an occasion. Most of the time it was just drab games against West Ham when Andy Carroll was playing for West Ham. And you know, the most interesting part of the match sometimes would be looking at Andy Carroll and seeing can he actually rediscover his form. He's now playing with Newcastle, of course. I feel like I've been waiting for Andy Carroll to rediscover his, discover his form for years. He's 32 now. And he was a good player back in the day. But I digress. So the Premier League is very interesting this year. Liverpool, I think, are favourites. Man City are probably second favourites. And then Man United are probably third favourites. I think Leicester are the next team. And then Tottenham are around there as well. But I think Liverpool and Man City are just that little bit ahead. I think Man City are very, very good. Just coming up under the radar, back on the radar. And they've got their systems in place. They're, They're in good form. They don't have too many injuries. So the Premier League is very interesting this year. Liverpool, I think, are favourites. Man City are probably second favourites. And then Man United are probably third favourites. But as a Man United fan, uh, it's just great to see them in the mix. So this was Feckin' Football episode six, short and sweet. Hope you enjoyed it. You can follow me on Twitter at Feckin' Football. And this is part of the Feckin' Check-In Podcast Network. Now I do other... The Feckin' Check-In, that's my main podcast. I do that with my good friend, Professor T. Check that out. We're coming back with an episode for that towards the end of January. And also, we have another podcast on the network called The Feckin' Metal. That's a heavy metal podcast. So check a, check our, twi- our overall Twitter page out, Feckin' Check-In, at Feckin' Check-In. 
And I think that's it for now. So I bid you adieu. Take care. Look after yourselves. Good night. Goodbye. 